What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Builders Project Podcast, Episode 5. I just want to say a quick thank you to all the listeners out there, whether you're listening into your car um, or you're watching this on YouTube, all the social media platforms. I just want to say thank you. Uh, This podcast is starting to reach more people, and I think people are starting to recognize the importance of why it's so important to build our lives on Jesus He is the ultimate foundation. So this podcast, you are a project God is building. And what I want you to do is build your life on Jesus, his teachings, his principles, his practices. And I'm telling you, your life will change forever. Um, So first of all, I just want to say this. uh, If you are listening on Spotify, Apple, whatever, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review, even sharing this podcast, it might have an impact on somebody else. And uh, I know this series has been interesting because it was supposed to be a two-part and we're on part three, and it might go for more parts because, honestly, uh, this has been incredible. We've been reviewing The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. It is a book that had an impact on my life, talking about spiritual practices and disciplines. And I know you hear the word discipline, and you're freaking out, and you're like, I don't want to listen to this podcast. I promise you um, it's uh, it's different than what you might think. And so, first of all, I would recommend going back a couple episodes. Episode three, we opened up the book about a shift in perspective. Uh, Last episode, we talked about the untold truths about spiritual disciplines and what people, um, kind of like the perspective, the wrong perspective, the false perspective that people have when it comes to spiritual disciplines and practices. They think, oh, it's only about waking up in the morning and super early and doing these things. And uh, that's where I wanted to start about getting into the specifics regarding a discipline or practice that isn't really talked about and i love it because the author actually goes into this at chapter four which is very early on before he talks about all the other things so um it's a reframing mindset uh so uh two things uh first of all uh, if you're watching this on youtube you might notice a different background that's because uh i'm in my home i finally have a little bit of an office so i'm trying to make it it might be a little messy hey we're working things out around here okay it's a it's a process okay but i promise you this being in my home will make it a lot easier to make content in the future so i'm excited about that finally have my own space for that which is cool god is good um also we've been growing uh we've been growing growing in social media tiktok instagram youtube Uh, God is doing something incredible. But enough about that nonsense uh, because this podcast is not about David. It's all about Jesus. So uh, this episode is going to be cool because what I want to do is not only give you very, very practical things that you could take home, but I also want to give uh, specifics, situational details, and I want Scripture. Scripture is the bedrock. I am a Word of God guy. Uh, It's all about the Word. Uh, Listen, I'm going to pass away. But God's word will last forever. People have been knocking on it, ripping it apart, telling you it's not good. But I will say this. The Bible has been around for centuries and centuries and even millenniums. And it's going to be uh, it's going to be around even after I leave. God's word is eternal and faithful. And that is where I want to uh, really uh, the bedrock. Uh, I, I'm a Bible person. I love teaching the Bible. I'm all about Scripture. I love the Word of God. I love memorizing Scripture. It's so important in our daily lives. So every time I give you a principle or practice, I want to stay faithful to what does Scripture teach about this in context, of course, because we don't want to just start picking, all right, you know, hey, I want you to be successful, and then I rip out good old faithful Philippians 4.13. I can do all things 
through Christ who strengthens me, without recognizing that, hey, Paul was written, writing this in prison, and he was trying to deal with contentment issues because he was in prison and his life wasn't that great. Uh, so he was saying, I can do all things, I can overcome all things, in context is really what he was trying to say. So we're not about to pull some Bible verses out of our butt and, uh, you know, just throw them around like they're hot cakes or like a, a – oh, look at that. Is that a penny that landed on heads? Ooh, that's for – that's for me. Anyways, okay, I'm just going on a rant here. So, uh, yes, episode four. Uh, this is uh, – or episode five, chapter four of the book, The Practice of – are you ready for it? The Practice of Celebration. Ooh, The Practice of Celebration? Wait, celebrating is a spiritual – practice yes it is and i wasn't planning on talking about this usually god gives me stories while i'm doing this i don't i don't pre-script or pre-write these it's usually i have a couple bullet points uh i have some scriptures reference and then uh usually god will just give me stories as i'm talking and so even starting this i i i think this is a great point to to begin i was at a prayer summit two months ago and it was a really cool experience. You just had a bunch of pastors together in the area. I'm in, I live in the Tampa area all together. And there was no agenda except pray. And so you started around eight, 9 o'clock in the morning, I think on Monday, and then you finished at 9 p.m. Tuesday night. So you go all the way to like 9 at night Monday, then you come back the next morning and then go all day. I was only able to stay for that first day. And then I stayed overnight, left the next morning. But at the very end of the night, they had this, this uh, interesting prayer. I don't know what to call it. It was, uh, it was almost a prayer experience. And so what they did is uh, at the very end, they played music. It was about an hour long. They had four different tables. Um, they had a table about the Father, God the Father, a table about God the Holy Spirit, a table about um, Jesus, the Son of God. Um, and then also a table of celebration. And what was interesting is uh, God did something in me, which I'll, I'll get to in a second. But at the end, everybody started to share some of the things that they experienced, that they felt like God was touching their heart. But there was a commonality, and the commonality was all of the pastors – all of the preachers, all of the men and women of God that were there that struggled to celebrate. I mean, you're talking person after person was sharing. And what they were saying is, I could go to every single table except that one. The one table about celebration, the one table about standing in a moment of joy, I could not do. And as I was listening, I realized that was the same for me too. And I, I want you to listen to the end because I'm going to share what God did in my heart. It was an incredible experience that I'll never forget. Um, but isn't that interesting? You have all these people that teach other people the word of God, that teach and lead congregations, that shepherd people. But yet for some reason, when it comes to celebrating, when it comes to 
taking a moment just to breathe and to honor God and what they have and to live in joy, they couldn't do it. And I was in the same boat, just like them. And so I think this chapter is so important. I think this podcast is so important because when we start talking about spiritual disciplines and practices, we begin to think about all of those things like prayer and Bible study. And yes, let me tell you something. Uh, We will be addressing prayer and Bible study. But if we address prayer and Bible study as if those are the only things, I am doing you a disservice. And unfortunately, most churches in America, most online content, that's all they talk about. And yet again, that is the bedrock. You cannot build uh, – I'm going to say this plainly. You cannot grow spiritually without prayer and getting into God's word, period. But that does not mean you cannot grow spiritual in other ways, and these other ways cannot um, – we talk about this word holistic, right? It's every asset, every facet of our life is affected spiritually. We talked about that a few episodes ago. That's what it means to live a spiritual life where everything is looked in the same practice. So when it talks about hanging out with friends and fellowship together and spending time with each other, walking in joy, celebrating, having, enjoying life is just as much of a spiritual discipline as it is prayer. Think about that. It reminds me of a Bible verse, right? 1 Corinthians 10.31, it talks about, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Have you ever asked a question, how do I eat to the glory of God? How do I drink to the glory of God? How do I go to a birthday party to the glory of God? How do I drive my car? To the glory of God. Interesting questions, right? And so I want to say this. um, When it comes to celebration, the reason we have an issue, this this is the the problem. I'm going to give you the problem that we have when it comes to our inability to celebrate is because we are living, because our lives are divided into two parts. Our lives are divided into two parts. Here they are. Living and waiting to live. Living and waiting to live. In other words, being present and experiencing joy versus thinking that our joy comes at a future place. And we talked about this, I believe it was last episode, the episode before, about once I get there, then I will be. Right? That whole concept. That well, they say comparison is the uh, is what steals our joy. That is true. But I'll say even more. I'll say the future steals our joy. The future steals the joy of the present. Because we have this mentality of, I cannot celebrate until I get to that place. I cannot give glory to God until I get out of this situation. I cannot give glory to God until I um, am finally... I finally overcome these business frustrations or ministry problems or relational issues, then I'm going to give glory. Then I'm going to walk in joy. Then I'll be able to celebrate. What if I told you that's wrong? That waiting to celebrate until you get to that point is wrong, and that is stealing your joy. 
Satan, the enemy, would love for you to believe that you cannot experience joy, you cannot, ex- you cannot celebrate unless all your problems are dissipated. Let me give you a very solemn promise. Not very encouraging. You're always going to be experiencing difficulties. I think there's a, the word, someone said this, where either you are uh, in a trial, you are just leaving a trial, or you're about to enter a trial. <laughs> What's the commonality? Trials. Uh, John sixteen thirty three. Jesus said, I've said these things to you. He's talking to the disciples through John 15, 14, 15, and the end of 16, the very, very end, before John 17 when he gets the high priestly prayer and prays for his disciples and the body of Christ and unity, all that good stuff. Uh, this is what he ends with. His last statement to the disciples before he prays is, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Does he end there? Mm-mm. He goes, in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus promised us that we will face tribulation, but he also promised that we will be able to overcome. And so you thinking, you having this mentality that once you get to that place, then you'll be able to celebrate and experience joy. Once you alleviate these problems, the problems will always come. And so the question is, are we going to experience joy or are we going to hope that it happens? Are we going to hope that it happens? And so... Uh, one of my favorite passages, I, I love to give this to people that are uh, have anxiety about, the, about tomorrow. They have anxiety about the things that they are uh, they're experiencing, about the things that are to come. I just had a conversation with somebody just the other day about, hey, I'm so worried about all of these next things that are coming up. Um, and, and my favorite verse, right, it, it's in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus talks about the, the birds of the air, the lilies in the field, about how, 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 how our heavenly Father takes care of all of them. And then he says this in Matthew 6, 33 to 34. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, stop thinking about yourselves. Seek first, not you. Interesting. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all of these things. All of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for its day is its own trouble. So the key to stopping your joy from being stolen. I'll say this. Preoccupation with yourself usually keeps us from joy. How do I know that? When our brain starts thinking about all these things we have going on, we get caught up in our own mind. What do we start focusing on? I know Philippians 8, it says whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence of anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I mean, that's the biblical response. But what do we focus on? That test, that job, 
that relationship, that coworker, that situation, that problem, that vehicle, that whatever it is. We, we don't think about whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. We don't think about those things. What we think about is all of our problems. Because when we start thinking about ourselves, we don't think about best, right? Love's, love, 1 Corinthians 13, love's, love believes all things and hopes all things. <laughs> the opposite of that is love condemns all things and loses hope and doesn't believe it's going to get better. And so I'll say this, the, for, for those that are listening, watching, whatever, the stealing of your joy comes from the preoccupation with self. Anxiety comes with preoccupation of self, preoccupation with your problems, the things you have going on. And that's why his response is, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he also says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to worry about itself. So you, you, y'all got enough issues today. You have enough problems today. Why are we going to take the problems of tomorrow and apply them to today? You have enough already. You don't have to add all of these extra detriments to your day. You already got enough. You got to leave them away. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Joy is a biblical command. We are supposed to experience joy. We are supposed to experience joy. And I want to bring this passage actually in Philippians uh, chapter 2. Um, I'm going to pull up my Bible real quick because, you know, we read the Bible around here. Um, and I don't know why I didn't put this Bible verse on, you know, I got my physical Bible. I, I'm not putting the Bible verse on the, uh, on the computer there. I'm, I'm actually flipping pages. It's crazy what flipping pages will do. Um, so it's Philippians chapter 2. All right. Uh, if you're familiar with this chapter, this is the ultimate chapter on humility uh, as Christ is our model. And here's what it says. It says in verse 2, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others, seek first the kingdom, Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Here's the key verse. Verse 5. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ. So the mind of humility, the mind of seeking others, the mindset that, that does not pull you away from joy but allows you to experience joy is the mind in Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says we have the mind of Christ. That's what Paul's saying here. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. It's yours to have. And for some reason, we don't put off our mind. Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So we have this mind in Christ that we can experience and that will allow us to be able to celebrate. But we don't do that. God's intent for you is to experience joy. That's his intent for his creation. And there's a passage here. The end of the book of Romans, Paul says this in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing 
so that the, by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. In other words, Paul is saying that I pray that God fills you with joy now. God fills you with peace now so that you may abound in hope. What is hope? Hope's about later. Hope's about later. Think, if you're hoping for something, that means you have this inclination of, I believe it's going to happen. I believe this is going to happen, and it brings, it brings you joy. So the key to joy is being present with God's peace, that God can fill you with his joy, through the Holy Spirit, and that will ultimately give you hope about later. And so we need to recognize that selfishness steals our joy. We need to recognize that it's God's intent in creation to give us joy. Oh, man, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I got to bring it up. I was actually having a conversation the other day for uh, somebody that I was uh, just had some problems they have going on. And uh, this is this is like I have this written in my journal and everything. Earlier this year, I had a uh, pastor speak over me um, that this year was going to be a year of joy for you, a year of joy. And to be honest, it's been anything and everything but that there's been nothing joyous about this year. I'm just, just being honest, being, being very truthful and honest and transparent about what I'm experiencing. And so what, what had happened was, um, oh, man, I have to give you guys the backstory. So my wife and I, we are full-time RV living. So if this room seems small, well, you probably can't see all of it, but it's because, like, this is, like, crazy. We have an extra room in our RV, which is insane. Uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, but we had an RV last year. Uh, my wife and I bought a brand new RV. And long story short, three weeks after we bought it, the RV started leaking. And so over the course of six months, um, they had brought mobile technicians out to fix our RV over and over and over and six different times. Every single time it would rain, it would get worse and worse and worse. And it got to the point where they basically said, we can't do anything for you unless you bring it in. We don't have a truck, right? Because we we're not traveling. We're just living in it. And so, you know, we uh, basically were, were lost. And so I, I remember seeing it. Uh, this is like I went full Karen mode because I was panicking. To be honest, I was like, God, what do I do? And I remember months prior I had watched a – God brought this to my remembrance. I had watched a TV uh, or a TV clip about somebody in the Tampa area having issues with their RV, and they contacted this news organization, and they helped them get it – basically fix the problem. So I did. I, I found that I found that specific one. I contacted the news people, and they, bro, they get. You're talking like contact after contact all the time about the things that their people issues, and so it was a long, a shot in the dark. I was like, nobody's gonna get back to me, and she did. I mean, you're talking about like a miracle. <laughs> she gets back to me. Uh, this news lady in Tampa, ABC Action News, and. Long story short, she gets me in contact with the corporate. Um, they finally agreed to actually pick up the RV and get it uh, fixed. They bring it in, comes back. You know, a week later, we're having to live in a, live in uh, these uh, uh, hotel rooms just to like get by. It gets back. Sure enough, a couple weeks later, it leaks again over Christmas, mind you. 
So during our Christmas day, we had to live in, <laughs> we had to spend our a couple nights, a whole week actually, in the hotel again. Long story short, a couple weeks later, leaks again. First time it rains, and so it, it, we contacted the news people, and um, they had met up. They did like a full interview, and they said, "Hey, by the way, it's going to rain tomorrow." Let us know what happens because the people had said, hey, if the RV leaks again, we'll buy it back from you, which is like crazy. Long story short, the next day rains again. They buy the RV back like complete miracle providence. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm living in joy. This is God. I mean, he freed us. And, now, you know, it wasn't no, it was like thirty thousand dollars in debt that we were to be burdened with an RV that's leaking with all these issues. So this is a nothing short of a miracle. And so I get, you know, uh, prayed over this new year of joy. I also found out that I had some opportunities at the end of the year uh, that were like, base. I can't share with you with them, but basically they're like dreams that that God has planted in my heart that He's bringing to fruition, um, opportunities in in the future. And so I'm like, I'm living in that. Come to find out, we end up buying a used RV. I believe this is where God wants us. He wants us to buy used so it's less debt. We don't have to worry about it. And we could not find anything until like the week before um, our RV was about to get picked up because we were running low on time. We found the perfect unit. And I knew this is what God wanted us to buy. And so we walk in confidence. We buy the RV. Come to find out, the RV had secret water damage. Isn't that great? We just got a waterlogged RV. Secret water damage um, that it's going to cost upwards of $10,000 to fix. Yeah. So I get that news, and I'm distraught because I'm very familiar, very in tune with the voice of God. I knew what I heard. I knew what God wanted, uh, wanted me to do for our family. And I just remember sitting there like, God, what is going on? I thought I, I thought I knew your voice. And so basically our bank accounts got completely wiped. Um, we're still in the process of actually, as we speak, in the process of this, trying to get us all solidified. To make matters worse, because the RV had been damaged for such a long time, there is a mold coming from these wood panels and walls and all this kind of stuff because of the rain. I'm not allergic to things. I've, I've been, God's blessed me with, with good genes when it comes to not getting uh, allergic reactions. But this mold, I mean, we're talking like I can barely breathe in my own home. I wake up with tightness of chest. I have a sore throat every single day. I always feel tired and exhausted. I barely have the energy to get out of bed and let alone even get out of bed and pray and spend time with the Lord. And it's brought all of these different challenges. And so here I am getting spoken over me a year of joy. I see it because God's brought me out of this debt. There's these the new opportunities in the future. And all of a sudden, the enemy wants to come in and steal my joy through present circumstance and everything in me wants to wait to live everything in me wants to not try and experience joy and chaos but to wait to live once we get past this situation then i'm going to have joy man let me say this when i submitted those feelings to the lord 
and say, God, what the enemy meant for good, Romans 8, 28. And we know, we know, for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I held on to the promises of God. Now, when you hear that word, good, that doesn't mean the situation is good. There's nothing good about us not having money. There's nothing good about uh, finance being drained. There's nothing good about mold and struggling to breathe. But what is good is the goodness and sovereignty and providence of God. And so I remember my wife and I, um, we were like, you know, in the midst of being broke, <laughs> let's, let's just go out and, and get dinner. Let's go out and have a meal. I remember sitting outside looking at the stars, and I just felt joy. I just felt the joy of the Lord, of being present with him and just saying, God, this situation is frustrating, but God, I love you. Jesus, I love you. You are the foundation of my life, not my circumstance. And I don't know what you're experiencing, what you've, what you've gone through or going through or have gone through. But everything within you is going to try and pull you away from experiencing joy. Because it's going to try and either dump on your current situation or think that, man, once you get out of the situation, then you can celebrate. And that's just a lie. It's just a lie. And I want to tell you, you can experience joy today. You can experience joy right now. Even in the midst of pain, you can experience joy. And so part of that, the stealing process, is because of waiting to live, right, of focusing on self. But also I'll say this. Um, one of the big things that steals our joy, and we're going to make a, a, a shift here in the podcast, and that's sin. That's our our wrongful ways when we do not stay obedient to the commands of Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. God was very clear. Jesus was very clear about that. Romans 12, 9 says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Abhor? What does that mean? Despise. Hate. Hate. Isn't hate a sin? Nope. Proverbs 6. God hates sin, and especially certain sins. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. We must arrange our life so sin no longer looks good to us. That pornography addiction, adulterous affairs, treating people people wrongly. We need to be able to arrange our lives in a way that we recognize how abhorrent sin is. And that means having a close, intimate in relationship with Jesus. Jesus didn't say, keep my commandments, then you're going to love me. He said, if you'll love me, then you'll keep my commandments. And the process of keeping commandments also means the process of abhorring sin. And so love Love for God, love for Jesus, the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. And so if we love God more, if we have intimacy and closeness with Jesus, continuing to build on that foundation on our life, then we are going to abhor sin. Sin is the steep, that is it. <laughs> Talk about stealing your joy. If joy comes from the Lord, then lack of joy comes from a boring 
resenting pushing away God in our lives. Because the joy that I'm talking about comes from a relationship with Jesus, comes from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, comes from experiencing God in his fullness, everything. But the opposite of that is walking in sin, walking in evil. And so I'll say this, just as you can say in a moment, hey, I'm not going to wait to live, I'm going to live presently, is also the way I'm not going to wait to repent. I'm going to do that now. And we talked about that last episode, First John 1. If you confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that can happen today. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. So all of these things, not waiting to live, living presently, not pre- being preoccupied with self, but thinking about others, seeking first the kingdom of God, repenting from sin and arranging our life away where we don't enjoy, enjoy doing those things. We, we enjoy walking with Jesus. We enjoy walking with the body of Christ. And then now we talk about how to actually practice it. People who want to pursue joy must make a practice of celebration. It's a practice of celebration. It's not a moment. It's not an idea. Practices are things that you put into place. They're not things that you hope that will happen. And so just as much as you can make a practice of prayer, a practice of Bible study, a practice of going to church, a practice of being around the right people, you can also make a practice of celebration. Spiritual celebration, here's what it is involves gathering with people we love, eating, drinking, singing, and dancing while reflecting on the wonderful God who gifts it. And also, you can do this by yourself. Yes, it's also about, I will tell you this, being around other people is great, but you can even do this alone. Eating, drinking, singing, and dancing while reflecting on the wonderful God who gifts it. Mm. Breathing in with my lungs and recognizing God breathed life into me. Even in this moment. Actually, let's do this practice. If you're watching or listening in your car, whatever, just pause for a second. Just pause. Breathe in, four seconds. And breathe out, four seconds. Do it one more time. God, I just thank you, Lord, for the breath in my lungs. God, I thank you, Lord, for what you have given me. I recognize there are people that even in this moment are breathing their last breath. But I am not. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and faithfulness. Mm. Some of you might be on lunch break, and you're eating that food. Going back to 1 Corinthians 10.31, right? So whether you eat or drink... Or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Eat for the glory. What does that mean? That means, let me tell you something. There's eating and enjoying food, and then there's eating and giving glory to God. There is so much more joy in giving glory to God. I take the bite of that burger, and boy, I've had way too many burgers recently. But I take the bite of that burger. And when I'm sitting there, I'm like, God, 
Thank you, Lord, for these taste buds. Thank you, Lord, for this juicy cheese and all that kind of good stuff. I am literally giving glory to God while I'm eating, recognizing that the goodness of even flavors and food, and think about all the seasonings and flavors, all come from God, his creation, his goodness. Thank you, Lord, for that. And so what I want you to do, I want you to have a practice of celebrating. Like, well, what do I celebrate? I'm going through a bunch of difficulties. Celebrate life. Celebrate friends. Celebrate family. You're like, man, I don't have anybody. Celebrate the fact that you're able to, even though you might not be with me right now, you might be listening or watching, we are still present. We are still together. Even through the internet, even through this conversation, we are, you are not alone. And if you have a relationship with Jesus, even if you don't, God says he is near to the brokenhearted. So in your pain, God is actually saying, I am closer than even before. Even though I am always there, always present, there's a special, unique presence that happens when we are brokenhearted and we reach out to him. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you, God, for your closeness. I know you are present. I know you are there. And so if, if we are going to know joy, it must be today. It cannot be something that we wait for or hope for only in the future. It has to be today. You know what's interesting? The person who lived the most pre- present and joyous life was Jesus. Jesus was always present. Here's what's interesting about being present. You don't become apathetic. So you might experience pain, but you also experience joy. Here's what's interesting. I remember, um, I forgot, uh, where is it? Uh, in jo- John, when Lazarus passes away and you get the famous passage where jesus wept shortest verse in the bible jesus wept what's interesting is jesus knew he was going to heal lazarus he was going to rise him from the dead raise him from the dead but yet jesus wept think about it jesus was so present that even in his omnipotence in the foreknowledge of what would happen he wept he stayed present and so even though sometimes staying present might also help have us deal with these pains to a greater level it also allows us to experience joy at a greater level the worst thing you can do is be apathetic apathetic means apathy is you don't feel you don't feel for things feel for people feel for your situation that is one of the worst symptoms of depression I experienced that. There would be times I'd have conversations with people where they'd be bawling their eyes out and I felt nothing because I was experiencing depression. I, didn't, I lived in the future of, of I hope this happens versus, and that stole my joy versus living in the present and allowing God to allow me to experience that joy today. And so if we're going to experience joy today, we must be committed to living lives greater than personal happiness. God did not create us to be happy. Happiness is cheap. <laughs> I, can I say this? All the self-help gurus pursue happiness. That is some of the worst advice someone could possibly give you. Do you know why? Okay, let me ask you a question if you're listening or watching. Have you ever woken up and felt sad? For no reason, you just weren't feeling it. It was hump day. It was Wednesday. It was Monday. It was whatever day. Man, I just I ain't feeling it today. 
I wish I could lay in my bed and do absolutely nothing. You ever felt that? Mm. Have you ever woken up before and felt happy for no reason? You just wake up like, man, I just like I feel good. Like I'm feeling happy right now. In other words, if we th- <laughs> the fact that we think we might have control over our happiness is purely childish and foolish. That's how people that are living the most rich life still commit suicide. I remember, man, it broke my heart because, you know, my back-in-the-day emo friends uh, all used to listen to Linkin Park. What? Right, I'm not going to sing. That is, somebody might delete my podcast right now. I'm not, <laughs> not going to do that. But, you know, Linkin Park, What I've Done, um, all those good songs, right? Classic, classic, classic. I remember when he passed away. I mean, this is talking about somebody who had all the fame. Not just fame, but he had a beautiful family. I can't think of his name. Please forgive me. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, main lead singer for Linkin Park. And I remember he ended up committing suicide. I guarantee you he pursued everything that made him happy. And he lived a prosperous life because of it. I mean, he had a passion for music and passion of all these things. But obviously, if happiness is the end, how can you get there if you don't have the means? Happiness is based off chemical imbalances or chemical changes in your brain. That doesn't come from a spirit. That doesn't come from your soul. Joy, joy comes from your soul. Joy comes from your spirit. But not not happiness. That comes from emotion. That comes from situations. That comes from circumstances. And so we must live lives that are greater than happiness. Happiness is not the quest. That's the quickest way for you to be sad. Because you're asking, well, why am I not happy anymore? Don't live that life. Seek joy. Seek Jesus. Seek him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so one of the ways we can easily get out of that funk, and we're going to wrap up here in a second. I got a few couple extra points, is to spend regular and significant time around joy-producing people. Let me say this. Uh, birds of a feather flock together. If you get down with dogs, you get up with fleas. You are the average person of the people you hang around with the most. In Ecclesiastes, I believe chapter 3, it talks about having a friend to lift you up when you fall down. In other words, we're not supposed to live this life by ourselves, one. And two, you're supposed to be cautious about who you, live or who, who you spend time with. The quickest way for you to become less happy, less joyous, and more cynical is to spend time around people that are less happy, less joyous, and more cynical. The quickest way for you to not seek Jesus is to be around people that seek sin. The quickest way for you to, to fall into bad habits is to be around people that fall into bad habits. The quickest way for you to grow in your faith, to grow in spirituality, to grow in different areas of your life is to be around people that are also growing in that way. And the quickest way to have more joy in your life is to spend regular and significant time around joy-producing people. Hear me, hear me clearly. 
if you are a follower of Jesus and you are not plugged into your local church, you're doing it wrong. And I, I get it. You, you might have been church hurt. You might have experienced something traumatizing, and I don't even have time to speak into all that because I'm sure there's layers and layers and layers. But do not forsake the body of Christ because of a person in the body that went haywire. Do not forsake the thing that Jesus gave his life for. Jesus, oop, that's my cat's, uh, <laughs> don't you love it? That's my cat's uh, automatic food feeder going off. It's like literally right below me to <laughs> my life. Let's see my, my, oh, he's trying to get through. Toby, my cat, Toby. <laughs> Oh, he's coming up here right now. Sorry to uh, pause. We're getting a very serious moment. I got to pause. I'm going to put Toby in the camera. For those that are listening, I'm sorry. You're not able to see. This is my cat, Toby. He is a good boy. Uh, his name means God is good. Uh, we rescued him. Uh, he was literally about to get run over by a bunch of uh, cars on the, uh, on the road when he was a little kitten. And we saved him. Ain't that right? And he's really hating this right now, but I promise you he's the most cuddly person, but he really wants his food right now, so I'm going to let him go. Say goodbye. Okay, all right, he's done. Um, anyways, where was I talking before I got distracted by my, my cat? Ridiculous. Um, by the way, I used to be not a cat person, and I hate cats. No offense to you cat people, I have a cat. Uh, but the reason he's better is because he grew up with my dog, Ted. And so even though he is a cat, he has a very like, dog-like personality. Um, Anyways, um, going back to what I was saying, um, so when it comes to experiencing joy, um, happiness isn't the focus. Happiness isn't the focus. Um, be around people that pr help you produce joy, that help you grow spiritually. Oh, here's what I was saying. Don't give up on the body of Christ. Jesus gave himself up for the church. Jesus, you can experience more Jesus in the church than you can by yourself. That's just facts. And here's the thing. God says for us to seek him in our secret place. Our Father who sees in secret will reward us. Yes, I know the passages, but um, and as m we need to be just as much there as we are connected with the body. Get plugged into a group. You're not supposed to do this walk by yourself. I promise you, if you start being around people, they will help you experience more joy. And if not, get around others. I'm telling you, there is an intoxication that happens when you're around people that are spirit-filled, filled with the joy of God, that have experienced and live out his joy and purpose and his glory in their lives. There is something that is intoxicating. It is literally contagious. When you get around people that love Jesus, that have hope in them, that there is something about them. It is incredible. I just went to the Dominican Republic last week and uh, for a mission trip, and the, the joy that I received from being around people that had nothing, they had barely a bed to sleep on. We delivered bunk beds, and that was, like, great for them. The joy that I experienced from them, because with nothing they had the joy of God. They had the joy of the Holy Spirit within them, and it was intoxicating. It was it was um, it spread, and it took that with me home to where even though I was living in a situation where I'm dealing with mold and rough finances, God was still able to uh, – I was still able to experience that joy. 
And so we need to also designate time in our week for things that are that we enjoy, hobbies, things that not just hobbies, but the hobbies that point us to God. If you are a painter, paint things that give glory to God. If you are somebody who works on a boat, so random, look out to the sea and just see the magnificence of his glory. Whatever that is, find it. Give thanks. And lastly, the New Testament writers, all the apostles, their joy came from eschatological thinking, not just positive. In other words, their ultimate joy came into the hope to come. Jesus is coming back. This is not the end. Love believes all things and hopes all things. They hoped in the coming of their Savior, King Jesus, who would right every wrong, who would wipe away every tear. That is where their joy came from, their hope came from. came from being present in the moment with the Spirit of God and the hope in Christ Jesus that he would come and redeem all mankind. And so I know you went into this thinking spiritual disciplines was just prayer and Bible study. It is not. It is a practice of celebration. Thank you for joining us. Remember, it's not about you. It's not about your job. It's not about your career. It's not even about your life. It's all about Jesus. Thank you for tuning in. I look forward to talking to you guys in two weeks. Love you all.